So let me start off by saying I am not a parent. Although I am very keen to be a parent one day, I am not currently a parent. And maybe that's the reason why I have the opinion that I have, because I haven't had that feeling of holding the child and feeling all these emotions of needing to be protective, needing to be prescriptive, needing to be a guiding light in a generation that feels like it's unraveling or it's dangerous or it's just really crazy. Maybe that's why I feel the way that I feel. But in this episode, I'm going to be talking about overprotective parenting and how ineffective it may be. So are you a parent? Do you think you're a good one? Okay. <laughs> you're probably not, but keep listening. Oh no, it is pouring. Please come in. Seriously, come, come in. Yeah, right through here. We're going to be in the living room for this episode. called police because her young daughter was walking the family dog unsupervised. The neighbor in Chicago's upscale North Shore suburb reportedly told police the child was five or younger. But Corey Wyden says when she told police, told police that her daughter was actually eight, they said that was fine and they left. Child services was then called, but not by the police. The family had to hire an attorney before the case was closed. Wyden says she felt mom-shamed. Something similar happened to author Kim Brooks. She left her then four-year-old son in a car with his iPad as she shopped for five minutes inside a store. But Brooks didn't realize a stranger recorded her child alone and then called the police. The fallout from that moment caused Brooks to take a deeper look into at why today's parents deal with so much criticism, doubt, and worry. Her new book is Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear. Kim Brooks, good morning. Good morning. You write in the book, I felt as though I'd been caught doing something very bad. Explain what this, how this made you feel as a mother. You know, I felt everyone, every mother wants to be the best mother she can be. And so when someone suggests that you've done something wrong, it's, it can be very upsetting. Um, at the same time, I didn't really understand why what I had done was wrong or dangerous. Um, and so that's why I started researching and talking to other women who had had similar things happen um, to learn more about what the actual risks are when it comes to giving children independence and freedom. You talk in the book, though, uh, about that moment. You were visiting your family in Virginia and you went to a Target to get some headphones. You were just going to be there for five minutes. You factored in the weather, uh, leaving the windows down, parking in the front of the store. So there must have been something telling you that this may not be the greatest of ideas, right? Not really. I mean, I think what was telling me that, if anything, was just the fact that I live in a city, and so in the city I don't do things like that because people steal cars, there's those issues. But I think what I was feeling was that this was where I grew up, and I had so many memories of my own parents letting me wait in a car for a few minutes while they ran errands in the 80s. And 
So it, it didn't feel unsafe. I mean, obviously, um, I, I wanted to make sure that the conditions were safe in terms of it not being hot or anything like that. Um, Kim, but, yeah. where does this sense of anxiety come from that you investigated in your book? I think there's there's sort of two things. One is that, you know, because we often see on the news or on the, the internet stories um, of you know terrible things happening to children, even if those things that we see aren't very common or aren't statistically likely, we th those give us a sense that things are more dangerous than they might actually be. One interesting statistic I found in writing the book was that, for example, it would actually take statistically on average 750,000 years for a child left in a public space to be abducted or kidnapped. But that's something parents worry about all the time, right? Stranger danger. Whereas 487 children on average um, are injured or killed in just car accidents every single day. That's something we don't think about a lot. And so this anxiety causes us to bubble wrap our children. And what is the downside of doing that, making them live in this world in which they can engage in nothing that might cause them a paper cut? Yeah, well, the problem is that a lot of what children actually need to learn developmentally, they have to learn by doing some things on their own, you know, and by having some freedom independence and independence. Things like resiliency, problem solving, um, just learning to sort of navigate the world. We, we don't do these things if, if our parents or if adults are doing everything for us. The other thing I learned that was really interesting is that psychologists say one of the things that actually makes people happiest in the world is having what they call an internal locus of control, mm -hmm. which means that you as a person have get to decide how you spend your time, what you do with your time. And when the psychologist told me this, I thought, my God, children must not be very happy these days mm -hmm. because the one thing we don't give them is that opportunity to decide what they do their, what, what they do with their time. What did you learn about how mothers and fathers are held to a different parenting standard? Yeah, I do think that this this sort of thing does happen to fathers, but what I found is that I think a lot of times when people see a father doing something, even if they don't approve of exactly what they're doing, there's a sense of like, well, good for him, you know, for being with the kids, you know, and babysitting and giving mom a break. I actually talked to one woman, Julie Kaler, who had a similar thing happen to her, and her husband had done almost the identical thing a year before, and, you know, the cop who came to the scene was just said, you know, well, I know how it is, you know, I know how hard it is to be with the kids and kind of let him, let him go. So thinking back to my own childhood, I I grew up, at least in sort of the pre-school time, in an agricultural estate. It was about an hour away from the city, and it was a pretty highly mechanized development that was in a rural area, but it was like pretty advanced. And it wasn't exactly the safest place for children, right? Because on one side, with the mechanical side, you had like harvesters and tractors and there was like this massive dam and unsecured reservoirs and irrigation equipment and all of that. Uh, all really great for farming, but not particularly safe or great for a child when it comes to safety, especially like a naughty four-year-old like I was at that time. And then on the wild side of things, because the 
place was surrounded by mountains. It was kind of like a valley almost. And the mountains were filled with baboons, which obviously because there was farming going on, they always wanted to come and invade the farming areas and like steal food and whatever, because that's what baboons do. This is Africa, remember? And so you've got people who've got guns who are trying to ward them off if they if the troops invade. So again, a little bit more danger. But there were also just other little wild creatures, so whether it was spiders or it was scorpions, or uh, more dangerous, snakes, so adders, mambas, cobras. We had it all. And there I was as a little kid running around. But yeah, we made do. So we had dogs, for example, which were there to scare off animals. Um, and for about the three or four years that I lived there, we probably lost two a year. So I probably lost about six to eight dogs or something like that, mostly to snakes. But there were a couple of them who got run over by trucks that were moving produce around. So again, trucks speeding, more danger. Now you'd think that as a kid, I was scared of all this danger, but I wasn't. <laughs> the thing I was most afraid of was my mother, <laughs> because... If I was climbing a massive tilling tractor, sure, I knew that those massive blades that were cutting up the land could shred me up in an instant if I fell in front of them. I knew that as a four-year-old. It was just plain and obvious. But I also knew that if I was killed by those tilling blades, that my mom would piece me back together only to kill me again. I knew that if I was unlucky enough to be bitten by a black mamba, that my mom would probably suck out the poison and then drain whatever life was left in me. <laughs> because I grew up in a generation where parents parented through fear. And as much as I was living with all that mechanical and natural danger around me, they were, plus there were other things that you're afraid of when you're a kid, because you get told all these ghost stories, you get told all this stuff, like um, we had just had a war, um, a few years before, so there was all this talk about, you know, dissident soldiers and all this crazy stuff that was going on. So there was a lot of stuff that as a four-year-old you'd be afraid of. But still, <laughs> the biggest threat to me was, was this woman, my mom. And I was like, okay, I don't want to mess with her. But at no point did I ever feel that she didn't love me. If anything, the opposite. I felt like she loved me so much that she'd kick my ass if I killed myself. <laughs> She would be so disappointed in me. And, and that's just the way it was back then. And even growing up, like I remember when I was um, a teenager, I went to a Catholic school. And one of the things we used to do when um, we had holidays was that we would have community service. And I remember one time I volunteered at a prison school. So at this particular prison, they allowed prisoners, particularly mothers, so it would be like 90 to 95% of the parents who had children in the prison complex were women, but they were allowed to have kids up until the age of maybe 10 or something. So like young, young kids were allowed to stay with, with their mothers. And obviously, these aren't great conditions. You're living in a prison complex. Your parents are, are convicted of something probably quite horrible. They've probably been shunned by their families, which is why they have to be keeping their kids in the prison complex. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty sad situation, which is why we had to be volunteering and helping them out. So I was like a teacher's assistant for a couple of weeks. And I think these kids were probably about five or six. And their teacher 
used to say, used to have this phrase which I remember very very clearly. She'd always be like, "I'll stomp on your head." <laughs> No matter what it was that these kids were doing, whether they're making noise, whether they're failing a test, whether they're being slow, whatever it was, she'd be like, I'll stomp on your head, I'll stomp on your head. <laughs> I remember that and just being like, wow, she is so weird. But at no point did I think that she was a bad teacher. I just thought that she loved these kids so much that she felt so strongly about keeping them in line. Because like I said, this was a difficult place, a difficult environment for these kids to be like it's a prison and you know there's the judgment that you have as outsiders where you like you don't want these kids to to go astray and you know that once they're too old to be in the prison complex they're probably going to be put into the system and they're going to be in orphanages or foster homes or any of that sort of stuff so you want them to be really really super disciplined so i used to look at this woman the teacher and be like wow it's really tough for her and she's shouting and she's super stressed but she loves these kids that's the way I felt about it. That's really the way I felt about it. But that was the time. This was like 20 years ago. So that's my history. That's where I come from. Parents and caregivers were scary when I was growing up. That's just the way it was. Now, fast forward to now, and I've got a lot of peers and friends, so whether it's people who are Gen Xs or Gen Ys who are uh, young parents or who've got, who are parents to young children who... If they hear anyone say something like, I will stomp your head, <laughs> they would be freaked out. Like that teacher is going to get fired. That's, that's, that's definitely what's going to happen. If not only that, they might even get arrested for like, you know, child abuse or um, endangering a minor or something like that. And there's definitely no farm workers who are allowing five-year-old kids to be jumping on heavy farming equipment like I used to be allowed when I was growing up. There's no one who's allowing kids to be jumping on, uh, you know, wood chippers or, or combine harvesters or anything like that. Because things have changed. People are so, so fearful of everything to do with children. They want to protect them. They want to overprotect them. And for me, I, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a little bit much. So like a lot of parents don't even want their kids to play outside anymore. No one trusts their neighbor to be a babysitter. People are scared for their kids' health. They're refusing for them to drink milk. People are saying their kids shouldn't have vaccines because they're scared their kids are going to get mutated or like get you know their brains messed up and they're going to develop all these things like autism or allergies or all of this random stuff. Uh, parents are scared for their children's brain. Uh, I remember growing up that my mom, fine, when I was learning fundamentals like reading and writing, she was very hands-on but after that a lot of times she'd be like come on you can do it you can do it when it came to my homework or projects that I needed to do and she was paying all these fees and she was super busy she had other kids to take care of yeah I just had to do it I just had to figure out how to do the stuff that I was required to do by by my teachers whereas now I, I hear of my own peers saying things like they're staying up late with Google and their, their children who are in the fifth grade, and they're doing their homework. You're staying up late as a parent with Google, with this child who's like 10 years old, and you're doing their homework for them. But you're scared that your kid is gonna fail. You're scared that they're not learning properly. You've read all these manuals and books which are telling you about how, be, how to be a supportive parent, or how to raise winners, and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You're using the internet 
for homework. Like there's no homework in the whole school period that needs Google at all. The first time that any any learner needs Google in order to <laughs> figure out what they've been learning in class and what's in their books is maybe in university. That's the first time that it's like, okay, you know, maybe you need outside help. Maybe you need additional literature. Everything else is a pretty basic, unless if they're teaching these kids how to be nuclear physicists at the age of 13 or something. So I don't know that would be, I don't know, I don't understand it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just like, you people are doing the most and you need to calm down. People are so scared to have their kids fail that they're insisting on things like participation prizes, right? So now here, you came 10th in the school cross-country run. Here's here's a prize. And it's like, what? Are we, are we really doing that? Are we really doing that? Now, look, I get it. And like I said, I'm not a parent. I think that parenting definitely brings out the fear in people because you're looking at your genes. You know that they're your future. They're the world's future. And at that point, when you're a really active parent, they're super vulnerable. And right now, the media tells us that the world is super dangerous. And it's always told people that. It's just that there's more information to tell people that they need to be scared. But, you know, people in the time of Genghis Khan were fearful. In the time of voyages of invasion, people were super fearful. In times of um, the Alamo or First World War, Second World War, People have been super fearful, and each generation tries its best to prepare their children for the future. Sadly, most parents use the past to determine the future for their children. So parents who grew up in famine will raise their children to save food. People who were abused by caregivers will raise their kids to be super suspicious of any adult other than the parents. Parents who failed to get a good job because they didn't go to university will encourage their kids to go to university. I'm definitely an example of that, that um, my mom definitely didn't want me not to go to university because she didn't go to university and it prejudiced her in terms of uh, the career she could have had. Um, so she was like, you definitely have to go to university. That was something that she, that she instilled in not only me, but in all her children. So I get it. That's probably why people are using Google to help their fifth grade kids to get their homework done. But sadly, all these fears are rooted in the past because they're the parents' past, which they're now trying to prepare their children for in the future. But because this fear is rooted in the past, it's not going to help the children in the future because the world keeps changing. So right now, yeah, sure, we're in this new age of fear. And because the, the internet is helping us to find even more things to be afraid of. Every new day, there's a new thing that, you're, that you need to worry about. Oh, did you know that breathing air while you're chewing gum is actually super dangerous? Now you have to be worried and be like, oh, no, my children can't breathe air while they're chewing gum. It's just, it's just, it's just the way things are, right? So the world is super scary. Uh, the monsters living in our, our neighborhoods and all of that. And so I can understand how parents are thinking they need to be super protective of their kids. So I can understand how parents are thinking they need to be super protective of their kids. 
Don't hit them. It turns them crazy. Don't abandon them. It turns them crazy. Don't let them play outside. Someone might take them. Don't let them eat gluten. It might make them sick. The list is endless. So many things that the internet and modernity is teaching us. Plus, there are all these manuals that people have, right? So many new parents get this ultimate guide, this or that ultimate guide to parenting. And they think, oh, no, this is great. This is what's going to teach me to be a better parent. Not knowing that the researcher or development psychologist developmental psychologist who wrote that book used decades of past research to create it so it's dated it's all dated it's not going to help your kids in the future and sadly all the skills that kids really need to learn in order to be successful in in future are not being taught because no one is thinking about it they're thinking about the past so if you look at right now for example universities are getting super expensive and it's not just a problem in the developed world it's a problem everywhere every university is getting super expensive for whatever market it's in right so if you're in america you're pay paying hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe in somewhere like um, the philippines you might be paying tens of thousands of dollars for the university but it's still expensive regardless of where it is these things balance out and what do you think is going to happen you know, like a lot of parents would be thinking, you know what, I need to be saving up. I need to encourage my kids to be okay with student debt. I need to find a way to get them sponsored or whatever. And do you think that's what's going to happen? Like, do you think that even if uh, an undergrad degree costs a million dollars, the people are going to keep going for these degrees? Like, do you as a parent think that? What about technology? Do you think that the workplace is going to be the same as it's been all this time? That machines and bots aren't going to change the, the landscape? And not only just that, what about connectivity and outsourcing? Do you think that companies are going to stop looking for cheap labor elsewhere? Leaving your kids sad and unemployed, you think that's not going to happen? So what are you teaching your children if you're encouraging them to go for certain jobs? that are going to be outsourced and maybe all jobs are going to be outsourced and what about mental health so many kids are getting diagnosed with mental disorders whether it's adhd oh, no not adhd add or maybe adhd also <laughs> whatever d's right so many disorders that are being ascribed to young people these days and they're being, being given um all of these pills or whatever but do you think that the world and people are saying that the reason why these kids have these disorders is because of the way the world is and as parents do do parents think that the world is getting kinder that it's getting slower that there's less sensory stimulation or are parents thinking that they're going to be better drugs for these kids to be able to take like what what do you what do parents think is going to happen there now again i'm not a parent so if you want to make certain decisions about your children's university trajectory or about your children's uh, interaction with technology or connectivity or outsourcing or mental health or protection from uh, attackers and abusers, if you want to be making certain decisions as a parent, please go for it. But I'm not so sure that some of these decisions are the best for your kids.
So now if I was to be a parent, or when I am a parent, I hope that I will still feel this way, that there is only one thing that kids need to be taught, that people need to, and it's, and it's not even a fear thing. It, like Fear doesn't need to be anywhere within a parenting situation unless if there is clear and present danger. I think the one thing that parents need to instill in their children is adaptability in tough, changing environments. Because if you look at it, the way the world has changed since the Second World War, it's been mind-blowing. Imagine every single industry from printing to movies to biotechnology to computers to how cars work to our belief about the climate to our beliefs about um the people who believe the world is flat <laughs> right like who would have thought that in 1962 there's so many changes so much information so much that is going on that if you had taken even the smartest people in 1952 from all the four corners of the world and been like you know what tell us the most important things that children in 2018 need to worry about and need to be taught none of them would have talked about the dangers of social media or dangers of terrorism or any of the things that all of us take completely for granted right now but if any of those experts at that time had told you they need to be adaptable then those kids would have been fine and i think it's the same going forward that if you teach kids to be super super adaptable so that they can be in fear, fearful situations but they can adapt to that they can be in clear and present danger clear and present danger but they can adapt to that they can be in a highly competitive environment like i talked about things like technology and outsourcing sure it can be super competitive but if your child is adaptable they can deal with that so i believe that the winners of the future are the ones who are raised tough and adaptable enough to be able to go out in a storm and fish for their dinner rather than staying indoors huddled up under a table crying about the storm that's what i think that's the way i see it but like i said i was raised in a different time and maybe that's what colors my perception about what good parenting needs to be that i um, value grit I value adaptability. I value being able to adapt to situations and overcome situations. And maybe, who knows, maybe these fearful parents and the feeling police who exist right now are going to be able to create an environment which, are, which is so soothing and supportive and nurturing that we're not going to have to deal with things like discrimination and disruption and challenges from technology and clear and present danger and fear and competition and just general stupidity of humanity. Maybe they're not going to deal with that. I don't know. We can talk about it in 30 years. But for now, that's where I stand. Where do you stand? Call in. Let me know.